Welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980, nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence to the future. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? Aww. Now, before I introduce our guest, I'd like to say that I'm feeling really warm and fuzzy. I hope you are too. Good grief. But there's a point to this. Now, our guest this half hour is Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategist and entrepreneur, and he's also the author of Didn't See It Coming. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being here. What is the significance in your mind of this warm and fuzzy Ronald Reagan commercial that uh, just, uh, where's the Kleenex, TJ? Give me some Kleenex because it's different. <laughs> I, I, yeah, there, thank you. It's it, totally different than today. It is totally different so than today. So this is quite the picture that that is painting. I think you just nailed it. You just nailed it. The, the importance of this. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about politics in this show. Uh, I'm a brand specialist, but the importance is that it painted a picture. And what Reagan was known as, whether you loved him or hate him, was the master storyteller. And when he made speeches, he didn't rattle off a list of strategies and things to do. He, like Martin Luther King and JFK, started off by telling a story about a little girl in in a yellow dress who's going off to school. And this commercial is a perfect example of this. And this was done by a fellow named Hal Reine, who became famous in the 1980s for creating these commercials. And almost every commercial, being in the business, we used to laugh about them. Every commercial starts off, it's morning in America. <laughs> and it was Hal Reine's voice. And he painted this picture of a world that we wanted to belong to. And it was usually a throwback world. I mean, you saw the, your reaction, the oh, tearjerker. Yeah. It's like gone with the wind. Yeah, it really is. It it's takes an epic you, commercial. And even back then, it was cornball. But yeah. it takes you back to a place where... The Tea Party, uh, people of their ilk want us to go back to, and it's a it's a sort of a golden past that never really existed. I was going to say, you know, it's funny they want to go back to a past that probably didn't really exist. Exactly. The picket fence and the dog named Rex and all that. Exactly, but you know what the beauty of it is? It's a story, and you could probably fill in the story. You could start a movie with that, and yep. then it go, all goes terribly wrong, right? <laughs> but uh, that is the point I was trying to make. Now the whole. The reason behind coming in today as a brand guy, not a political guy, was because I was triggered by this story in the New York Times that got reiterated in National Post and Global Mail about the veil of secrecy and ignorance that is descending on Canada under Stephen Harper. Right. And like I said, this isn't a political thing, but what it struck me as, it made me think, I'm going, what are they talking about? You know, I want to dig into this. And they said, you know, under his, under his, um, under his watch, uh, it's gotten increasingly hard for the press to get straight answers. It's getting increasingly hard for scientists to speak up. And what I thought of in this was, oh, what a shame. 
you know, not being a political type person, I thought, what a shame, because what makes a society rich is the ability for people to tell stories. So this made me dig a little bit deeper, and I, I took a look at all the other candidates, you know, and I looked at uh, sort of their taglines, the first thing I went to, and uh, the, 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 um, the Conservative Party, they have two taglines, which is proven leadership for a strong Canada and safer Canada, stronger economy. Well, the economy isn't that strong right now, so safer Canada. Yeah, yeah. I, I got out of bed this morning, and again, I didn't, I was get, terrified. I didn't, I didn't have a terrorist attack me, so I'm so thankful. It's wonderful, but you're, you're going, that? That's the story? There's a non-story. And then I went to the NDP, ready for change. What does that say? And I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. Mm -hmm. The liberals, real change, like we're with the NDP, we're with those guys. The only ones, and again, whether you like them or hate them, the only ones where I said, wait a minute, there's a glimmer of something here, were the Green Party. And it said, a Canada that works, dot, 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 together. And where that was significant was the same place that Ronald Reagan's commercial was significant. He talks about all of us. Today, somebody's going to get married. 6,000 people are going to get married. Some people are going to move into a house. We're all building this wonderful country, dot, 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 together. Right. Right? And that made me dig a little bit deeper then. And I went, well, what is, what is President Obama doing? Is he doing anything different from this? And it, it, made, it made me remember back to one of his election posters, which was, together we can, or yes, we can. Yes, we can. And the whole point was that it's all about us as a society effecting change. And then I juxtaposed that with what Stephen Harper is doing or seems to be doing, which is saying, we're going to run the country. You just keep doing what you're doing, all right? But there is no sort of exchange. And I didn't see any sort of open door under the NDP or the Liberals either, not, at least not in the storytelling. Right. And I thought, wouldn't this be interesting to explore why political parties are retreating or seem to be retreating into this veil of, we're going to put it out there and you eat it up and that's the way it's going to work, which then took me one deeper. <laughs> it took me back to the 1980s when I was cutting my teeth. I, I started in advertising in the late 1980s, and we worked under a paradigm called inadequacy marketing. Okay. And that is, uh, right now, you're anxious because you're not going to get the girl, or you're going to lose the race, or you're not going to get the promotion, or something, something, something. So you're something. putting fear into the consumer. I am putting anxiety, anxiety into your head. Okay. Fear. Yeah, good word. I'm putting anxiety and fear into your head, and in marches the brand, your savior. Right. It's called inadequacy marketing. If you wear this deodorant, you will get the girl. If you drink this can of Pepsi, you will be younger. Fill in the blanks. Everybody right. knows it. Now, what's happened, a lot of brands are embracing a whole new model, the Obama model, which is you're already great. You have everything that it takes. If you look at the Dove uh, Natural Beauty campaign, it is saying, ladies or young ladies, uh, you are beautiful. You don't need the beauty industry to make you feel inadequate. And that is kind of what Obama is saying. And he's actually taking it one further where he's going, you know what, I'm actually going to throw open the Twitter lines and take questions. He's done a, a number of famous initiatives, these what they call AMA, Ask Me Anything campaigns. And, uh, and he has gone out and said, folks, ask me anything. I'll answer. And what happens is obviously the servers crash first. <laughs> yeah. But when they actually work out, um, people start asking them off the wall stuff and he responds. And so they see their tweet go out and then his tweet comes back and they're going, oh my God, he's a real living person. Right. And what it does, it creates a sort of a common bond between us that I believe in Canadian politics 
is going away. Absolutely. Our guest, just moments ago, we were discussing this last hour, that very thing. Really? About a disconnection between the, uh, the, uh, the electioneering people, the mm-hmm. people like the Harpers and yeah. the Mulcairs, and the electorate. Yeah. I think they're being run by pollsters. And pollsters, I, I've, I've worked in um, advertising long enough to know that research is crap. And, and if you start trimming uh, your sales according to research, you're going to have the lowest common denominator message, which gives you taglines like real change. Right. Oh, which my good God. It means nothing. And uh, safer Canada, stronger economy. My God. Can you imagine JFK going that, saying that? <laughs> it, it just wouldn't happen. But, um, you know, this, this is a, it's an interesting story because right now, too, we're even seeing uh, people with strong opinions, people like uh, Donald Trump making America great. Right. And, and, and shouting things out like that. And, and taking people on and having fights with them. And remember Rob Ford. I mean, yeah. he was wonderful for this stuff. He would get in fist fights with journalists and he'd be yelling back and forth. But what it did, it added color and it added sort of a strong perspective from the viewer. They're going, I hate that guy. Let's talk about it. All right. You know, yeah. and it created a conversation. So it's like Don Cherry thing then. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It started a conversation. Yeah, exactly. You look at Rob McClain and Don Cherry, right? Yeah. They're sitting there going, they're yelling, they're hawk hacking on each other, but it creates a conversation. And that conversation leads to storytelling. Everybody gets to share. And that sort of brings us into a a wonderful place where we all go, hey, we're inventing this thing together. Because that's what stories do for us. They make us feel like we're part of a community. So it's inclusive. It's, it's completely inclusive. And it does not draw a sort of a curtain between our politicians and ourselves. So why are they not doing it that way? When you look at Harper and you say that safe for Canada, whatever the nonsense he's saying. Why aren't they doing it? It's a disconnection if you ask me. I think it's fear. Yeah. And I think it's fear of doing the wrong thing. And I believe that if we are, um, if we are uh, a society, what happens is we use our stories to uh, get to the bottom of our own fears and explain our fears away, saying, uh, a friend of mine, Jordan Bauer, digital uh, storyteller, he filled me in on this, and I go, oh my God, that's so amazing. If you look at things like The Lion King, for example, you've got um, the, the evil uncle, and he's part of the story. He's part of every great story. You've got that Darth Vader character. You need a foil. You need a foil, but he's there. And and he is somebody for us to stand up against and get comfortable with because we've got to grapple with him. Right. We have to grapple, not Mr. Harper has to grapple. We, citizens. And I think what uh, political parties are afraid of is citizens feeling that it's up to us to make change because who would they vote for if it was all in our power? Right. You know, I think that they're, st- that they're afraid of something that doesn't really exist. They're afraid of citizens speaking up, speaking back, getting on the Twitter lines and actually having something to say and not being able to control it. I believe Stephen Harper is just the most extreme example, but I don't think the others are really immune yeah, either. Yeah, I take a lot of shots at Stephen Harper, but I mean, I, I do agree that uh, there's, <laughs> there's a similarity there. Oh. I just think he's more extreme with this. He's just more extreme because what he does, he, uh, he, is, he is saying, no, we're not going to talk to the journalists. Yeah. We're going to vet the journalists. We're going to vet what questions they can ask. We are going to vet the climate scientists. What are you afraid of? What's going to happen is the climate scientists are going to say that you know fossil fuels are creating climate change and that's what's melting the ice and he's saying no 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 but that doesn't actually make it go away. Yeah. It just it just puts the bunker mentality in place and that that causes atrophy and and stasis, you know. What are the elements that make a good story? Uh, well, it's it's funny because uh, you know we have stories about what I did on the weekend. That's not really a story, but you go to this deeper level, you go to the thing that ties us all together as people and we create what are called myths. 
you know, and right. they go all the way back to the Bible, back to ancient times, Odysseus, and they all seem to have the same trajectory. You go to Star Wars, you go to the Matrix, you go to every great story. I just heard it in that blurb that we had before we went on the air about Robert Redford, hiking yeah. the Appalachian Trail and the adventure begins. It starts off, let's sort of track it with Hobo, uh, uh, The Hobbit, Frodo, Frodo. Uh, hobo, yeah. <laughs> that was his uh, brother. Yeah. yeah, Hobo and Frodo. Yeah. Uh, so here's an unsuspecting uh, everyman, little fella, purposely probably little. He's a little unassuming person who has no adventures in his life. And then he gets called upon one day to save a world in trouble. He has no intention of saving the world in trouble. Now see if you can start tracking Star Wars here or The Hobbit or the Robert Redford movie. He gets called upon by an unexpected visitor. The wizard, okay. uh, the the ancient man uh, uh, on, on Star Wars, you know, uh, Alec Guinness. Right. And um, he gets called upon by Obi-Wan and he says, you have to save the world. And he goes, no, no, not me. But then by hook and by crook, he gets pulled into this adventure. And in the adventure, he is advised by his old mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi or Gandalf. But then at a critical time in the story, the mentor goes away, leaving our little hero on his way on this terribly exciting and dangerous journey that he had no intention of signing up for, surrounded by a band of like-minded individuals who each have their own skill and their own sub-story. On the way, he discovers something. In the case of Luke Skywalker, he discovers the Force. It's an elixir. It's an ancient sort of gift given by the gods or the Force, in this case, to help him, but not to make him rich and powerful, but to help him set the world back on a straight path. With Frodo, it's the ring, or with Bilbo, it's the ring, and he has to take the the ring back and throw it in the volcano, right? Not in order to make himself better, but in order to make the world better. So he ends up fighting a huge battle, discovering something about himself that he actually did have a sense of adventure that he could be more than he thought throws the ring into the into the volcano uh, blows up the Death Star in the case of <laughs> Star right, Wars. Yeah. You know, blows out, saves the world. Blows out the bad guys in the Matrix. Discovers what's behind the numbers in the Matrix that everything is actually a sham. And then he sets the world on a better path. He comes back with this profound sense of knowledge, and he usually encounters one other nasty thing on the way back just to catch people by surprise rides off into the sunset, a more enlightened person. Wow. Now, you've seen that story about it's, five billion times. That's the sort of typical arc, the that, whole story arc. That's the arc of the story. And you if know. you follow the arc of that story, you will have a successful movie, you know, or a successful book. And you can paint it any way you want, but it's a structure that gives us comfort as humans, you know, because we identify with this person. And I think that's really important in the case of Obama and in the case of Ronald Reagan. Right. We identify with Reagan because... Because we are the guys that are waking up every day in America and getting married and buying a house and trying to find a better future. And he's just this old grandpa who's our mentor, who's helping us along. You know, Obama, same way. He's just a fella who's helping us along. Yes, we can. All of us together. Nike, find your greatness. We just make the shoes. But you have the greatness inside you. Even if you're overweight and and smoke and eat badly, you have it. You just got to discover it. And that's where the power of stories come because we can 
associate with the characters in the stories. That's wild. It is I wild. I never thought of it that way. It is wild. It so is it, wild. Do you see this when you see any commercial or, or you read a poem or you see yeah. an ad? Is it always triggered? You go, okay, that's the story and this is what they're saying and it was successful or no, this is not working. Well, you know, it was it was my friend Jordan Bauer, uh, the digital storyteller, and I've, I've, I've really, I've fallen in with a bad crowd, all the storyteller guys. You know, I always yeah. thought storytellers were guys on Granville Island with magician hats doing card tricks for kids. But um, I've fallen in with a bad crowd, these professional storytellers, and one after the other, they've come out and said, you know, the power is that you can get people to believe something, make them feel better about themselves, make them feel stronger, all at the same time. Why not? And I go, well, it's a lot better than inadequacy marketing. You know, you smell really bad, buy my deodorant, and you're going to get the girl, because that's cheating. You know, and so I, 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 I see it now more and more in the movies that I watch. I go, that's a crap movie. And I bet I can tell you why. Right. You know? So it's all about empowering the viewer. It is about recognizing. It's about recognizing that the person already has the power, but they're too afraid to recognize it themselves. Right. That's that's what seems to. They be just there. need their mentor, and then they can throw that ring in the volcano. Exactly. Now imagine if that happened with uh, with our political parties. Imagine if Stephen Harper or Justin Trudeau or Tom Mulcair said, "You know what? I don't have the answers." The pollsters would have a conniption, but if they said, I don't have the answers, we're going to create the answers ourselves. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get it right. I can almost guarantee you we're going to get it wrong, but we're going to try it together. I mean, it would be uncharted territory, might go down in flames, but I think it would be very, very refreshing. That's the exact word I was going to use, refreshing. Exactly. It would be different. Exactly. And you know, I was, uh, I, there's, a, there's an interesting upsurge happening in the political world too. There's programs like Nation Builder coming out. And a politician friend of mine t- told me about this thing. Essentially, you and I could organize a political movement. It gives you all the tools to organize people, to put a platform out there, to do the advertising, right. all that stuff. And so the guys up on Parliament Hill could sit there talking around in their daisy chain all by themselves <laughs> while the rest of the world is essentially just getting on with business and creating political movements. You know, money, you know, we, might, we talked about this earlier, money still calls the shots, but I think with programs like this, you're going to see a lot more people's movements and you're going to see these guys up on Parliament Hill looking more and more dusty. Right now, I think all we're seeing is apathy, apathy and indifference. I don't know if we've got enough people that are going to say, let's get involved, let's do it. Exactly. Well, think of uh, George Orwell's 1984 and not all the famous stuff, but just think of the everyday stuff. They had Big Brother yelling at them from the outside yep. and they just shuffled along in this dusty, dirty world. You know, and there's always been a role for strong leaders who are about secrecy and pushing forward. But generally, these leaders had a bold vision. People like Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore, who made Singapore an Asian tiger. When they started, they didn't even have their own water supply. So this was a pretty brilliant dude. Uh, And he captured the imagination of his people, even though he suppressed public discourse. What you see in Stephen Harper is somebody who is suppressing public discourse, but he ain't no Lee Kuan Yew. Yeah, You know, he ain't great in Singapore here. Our economy is not Singapore's economy. We've got everything going for us and we're sort of frumping around. And he's doing that. He's, he's offering me the, the, perf- the, uh, the deodorant so I can get that women. But, uh, exactly. but instead what it is, he's saying, he's telling me about fear and terrorism. Well, think and about it. Safer, safer Canada, stronger economy. Yeah. Safer Canada. I, I didn't realize we were that unsafe. I didn't realize that either. <laughs> Shaking in my boots here. <laughs> exactly. We got to run. We're up against the clock. But thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me Jordan. again. I love doing Fantastic. this. Fantastic. And now you speak of storytellers. There's one Jordan. right here. Mike, Mark, Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategist and the author of uh, I Didn't See It Coming. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, 
drop me an email at mark, M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com, M-A-R-C-S-T-O-I-B-E-R.com. Have a good one.